You know, with all the Christmas vacations on the music team, you get the Peter, Paul, Mary, Tad, and Dave version today. <laughs> it's all good. So, Christmas has come once again, and for many, one of the traditions of Christmas is getting new Christmas clothes. Any, anybody get some new Christmas clothes? Yep, a few, a few. Yep, here I am, top to bottom. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Tom. I, I needed them, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> now, the funny thing is that while some of us are celebrating the fact that we got some new Christmas clothes, uh, some of us are hoping to actually get rid of some clothes this year so we can add some new clothes. But before we get those new clothes, what do we need to do? New Year's resolutions. Yeah, like trim down a little bit. Anybody kind of have one of those goals? Yeah, it always seems we got we got clothes to add and maybe some clothes to discard, maybe some changes to make along the way. And here's the good news: Jesus has come to help us get rid of the clothes, right? To get in the way, and instead He comes with the gift and promise of clothing us with the power of God's Spirit. Now, when it comes to a new year, being clothed with the power, the presence, the hope, the gift, the promise of God's Spirit is so much more important than a pair of new pants or a new Christmas sweater. It's just true. It's just true. And so this year, I want to invite each and every one of us to consider what it might mean to make room room in the closets of our lives for the Spirit of God to move with power in our lives. And we see this um, in getting some insight into how this can happen uh, through a wonderful story in, in Luke chapter 24, the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke that sets the stage for the book of Acts. And I thought it would, it's a wonderful place to begin the new year with just this sense of hope and expectation, opportunity and promise that God can help us, you know, clear the deck and be clothed anew with heaven's right, power and heaven's spirit. So today, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. This is called the story, the road to Emmaus. And just to set the stage even though we just celebrated the birth of Jesus at Christmas, we're now celebrating his resurrection. The story in Luke 24 I'm going to lift up is literally happens on that first Easter day. The women have already been to the tomb. They've already run to tell the disciples that they couldn't find the body. An angel had said he's risen. Peter and John had raced to the tomb and seen that it was empty. And now in Luke chapter 24, we get a, a story that only, we only find there about two of Jesus' beloved friends and followers who have decided on this very first Easter day, in spite of those resurrection stories, to leave town. Just to leave town. And it's just then, it's just then, that the risen Lord appears. Beginning with verse 13. Now that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces downcast. I mean, this just stopped them in their tracks. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and and don't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They, they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of them, some of our companions, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, well, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ, the Messiah, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, did you ever imagine, what was Jesus, the risen Lord, doing that day? In between those visits. He was sitting down with two of his closest friends and followers, giving them a little Bible 101. (laughs) And he spends the whole afternoon doing this. It's astounding. Well, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if they were going, he was going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And it was then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up, uh, well, let's pause there for just a moment. So here we have two of Jesus' closest friends and followers. Their hearts are utterly crushed with grief, burdened with doubt and fear. They're heading home. And they're utterly distracted by all that has happened and all their dashed hopes and dreams. And so when the risen Lord appears to them, somehow, some way, in the depths of their distraction and grief, they can't recognize him. They don't recognize his voice. In fact, they don't figure out it's him until when? until he breaks the bread with them. Literally shares his supper with them. And after he breaks the bread and they reckon, it's, it's you! He, he's gone. And they say to one another, oh, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? What you, what, what's going on there? Well, this is what I think. Jesus' words always had a certain impact on, on his followers' hearts and minds. 
Uh, They've been experiencing this for, for years. Something happened inside them when they, when people listened to Jesus. When Jesus spoke, their hearts were filled with hope and love for God. When Jesus spoke, they saw sin for the folly and emptiness that it really is. And when Jesus spoke, he touched their best longings for everything good and being a light for God in this world. When Jesus spoke, his words had this resounding ring of truth and it literally made their hearts burn. They must have talked a lot about what Dallas Wheeler calls Jesus' heartburn. Nobody else's words had this effect on them. And so they say to each other, man, we should have recognized his voice from the way it affected our hearts. We should have known. But you know, isn't it interesting? It was Jesus who ultimately had to open their eyes. It was Jesus who ultimately had to open their ears. It was Jesus who ultimately, through opening the scriptures, opened their minds to the reality that the one who gave his life on a cross lives, just as God had foretold, just as the prophets had promised. And there's more to the story. It doesn't end there. Whenever the risen Lord appears, whenever hearts burn with the realization of his presence and the reality of all the promises he has made about God's grace and and forgiveness and the hope of eternal life, people just got to go tell somebody. And so the story continues. There's more. Back to Luke chapter 24, now picking up at verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. So Jesus has been busy. And then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled, frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Isn't that astounding? Uh, In their fear and amazement, they can't quite get their heads around it, much less their hearts. He has to literally show them. little Easter Sunday show and tell. And he goes on. He said to them, when he had said this, uh, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. God's written word. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. 
And there the story is suspended. Right? Jesus not only appears to the two on the way to Emmaus, who recognize him in the breaking of the bread, whose hearts burn when he opens the scriptures to them, but he appears to the full circle of Jesus' followers. He shows them the scars of his hands and feet. He proves to them that he truly is risen and opens their minds to God's promises and all the prophets had foretold. And then he gives them not only the hope of new life, but a mission for life. A life of eternal significance in which they will be witnesses of all that God has done. He says to them, you will be clothed with power from on high. You will be clothed with power from on high. The power of God's own living, breathing, life-giving, life-transforming spirit. And so today, the question is, how does he do this for us? Here and now, today. I'm going to lift up two practical ways, I believe. The risen Lord still works in our lives, still clothes us with power. And I begin by simply saying, let God, let the Son of God, the risen Son of God who lives, clothe you with the power of His Spirit. Open your life to His Spirit. Now, Jesus showed us there are some specific ways that we can uh, experience this. And we see it in the story of Emmaus. He opens the scriptures to them. And so I challenge each and every one of us to open the scriptures, to clothe your mind, clothe your heart, clothe every day with the written word of God. Let the spirit give life to that word in your life. Don't let God's word and promises and their power be an afterthought. Let it be the first thought each and every day. It is through opening the scriptures and opening your life to the spirit of Jesus that just as Jesus promised, the spirit will give you power to understand, to see, to hear, power to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to give and to forgive like Jesus. Now, we face a problem when it comes to this first kind of New Year's resolution as we imagine, you know, God making all the difference God can make for us in this coming year. And it is a twofold problem that is just pervasive in our culture and often in our lives. And it's the twofold problem of being in a hurry and filling our lives with noise. If you've ever traveled to another part of the world, you pick up pretty quickly. They just live a different pace of life. In our culture, from the moment we open our eyes, it's what's next, what's on deck, what do I need to do, who do I need to call, how far do I need to drive, how many appointments do my kids have, how many sport teams are they playing on this season, how am I going to get it all done, what's next. And even as we get caught in that rush that literally grows from the inside out, that hurry, we fill our lives with noise. 
And boy, does our culture love to fill our lives with noise. Right? We turn on the TV. We open the newspaper. We switch on the radio. We um, listen to an endless stream of, of talk show radio hosts and TV programs and cable networks and blogs on the Internet. And all this hurry and all this noise is literally right, drowning out the voice of God in our lives, the, the influence of God in our lives. We are clothing ourselves with stress and anxiousness, with worry, with fear, with frustration, with disappointment, with discouragement. There's not enough time in any given day to get it all done. Have you ever seen the Verizon map? Anybody have a cell phone here? Right? I'm a Verizon guy. You know, this is my map. But this map shows the Verizon cell phone coverage. Right? All the places Verizon can reach you and you can reach others. I want to suggest that this is literally, that map is your life. Your heart, your mind, your emotions, your attitude, your perspective. And all those red dots are the access and coverage we give the hurry and noise of our culture in our lives. Does God feel distant? Do you feel like you're not hearing God lately? There may be a good reason. This new year, I want to challenge each and every one of us to reverse this map. To reverse this map. And let those red dots represent the access and coverage we give God and the Spirit of God in our lives. You know something interesting about Jesus? He, he was never in a hurry. He never seemed rushed. He was always ready to pause and take time. And he always, as just the practice and habit of his life, gave God the best time of his morning, even if he needed to do it before the sun came up. And he gave God the best of his evening. He simply gave God the best of his time. And he gave God unrushed time. Unhurried time. He gave God quiet time. Time in which he tuned out the screaming voices of this world and his culture so he could hear the voice of God. We need to give the Spirit of God time to influence our lives. To give God greater access. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 12. This is just how God's word can take an issue and just light it up. So let the Spirit speak. This is the rendering of Romans chapter 12, the first couple verses in, in uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. We need God's help. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. 
Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, so tuned in to your culture, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and then quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, always drowning out God's voice and the influence of God's Spirit, instead, turn your hearts, turn your eyes to God. God, it is God who brings the best out of you. Let me give you an example of how that can work in everyday life. Any nurses here today? Do we have a nurse? We do. We have a nurse. This is a story about a nurse. She's in Southern California. And uh, she was on, on the unit uh, one week when in came this old guy. And man, was he cranky and grumpy and, and hard to spend time with. And he was one of those patients that was constantly hitting the light and demanding the attention of the staff in spite of the fact that there was a whole wing of patients. And it wasn't a happy experience to go into his room at all. Well, this poor nurse, after a few days, realized that this guy was kind of getting, getting his hooks in her. She, she was like picking up on his grumpiness and crankiness. She was like snapping at her colleagues. She was trying to avoid his room. She was like stalling and, and wishing other, other nurses would get assigned. And then it dawned on her. It just dawned on her. Yikes, this guy is contagious. We are contagious. You know, I, I heard a pastor once say that the difference between everyday life and life in the Spirit is about five seconds. Give the Holy Spirit five seconds, and God can transform a moment, a day, a decision, right? A disaster. God can do it. And this is what happened to her. The light goes on, and for whatever reason, somehow she just said, Oh, God. Oh, God. Help me. And then, just something swept in her and through her. And it's like she just, like the aha moment, the heart burn, right? She walked into the room wondering, what does he need now? You know, from a skilled, highly trained nurse. Well, he wanted to complain about the potato on his plate. This potato was bad. You gave me a bad potato. And instead of getting hooked by him, the Holy Spirit got a handle on her. And she literally shed the clothes of frustration, crankiness, uh, <laughs> and anger and resentment towards this guy. And the Spirit just clothed her with this kind of playfulness and patience and compassion and, and insight. And she just looked at him and she looked at that plate. She looked at him and she looked at that plate and she picked up the potato. She picked up a fork and she spanked the potato and said, bad potato, bad potato. Put it back in his place. I said, there. And the glint in his eye turned to what? A gleam. That moment was the breakthrough. She shed the clothes of letting this world, letting other attitudes 
and outlooks and disappointments and discouragements from infecting her and creating her arms to the Holy Spirit just pushing it all back and clothing her literally with playfulness and humor, patience and compassion. I mean, in five seconds, it can happen in our lives. So, first, let your Savior clothe you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Give God room in your life. Open God's Word. Give Him the best of your day. Open your heart to God in prayer. Give Him the best of your night. Let God have primary access in your heart and in your life. And secondly, allow God to clothe you with the Spirit through the gift of Christian friends. This comes right out of the text. The two on the road to Emmaus are walking together. And after the risen Lord has appeared to them and broken bread and they have the aha moment and he's gone, what happens? Did you? Did you? (gasps) Yes, yes. They, They bore witness with one another. And that little ember of faith got fanned into a flame. And the next thing you know, they're, they're not walking downcast away from Jerusalem. They're running, <laughs> overflowing with joy and amazement and wonder to share the good news with their friends. Contagious work both, works both ways. Do you realize we are one of the most powerful channels through which the Holy Spirit can change one another's lives? Now, each and every one of us is sitting next to someone that we would love to change. Isn't that true? We all have our faults and imperfections. But did you know that God's plan is for the person sitting next to you to help God change you? (laughs) And God can do it through the gift and power of of the Holy Spirit. You know, in your bulletins today... Um... You will see open to the Spirit in our everyday lives, and it's filled with small group opportunities. Friendships with others in this community of faith can help God clothe you with the Spirit and literally work the changes in your life that God needs to work and bring God's best out of you. Empower you to shed the clothes of discouragement, disappointment, frustration, you know, bad habits, bad choices and decisions and put on the clothes of God's wisdom and God's grace and God's uh, compassion and God's hopefulness and hospitality. And we do it with and for one another. We see it so powerfully in the stories. That's why Jesus created this community. Um, uh, Last night, uh, Lisa and I Uh, together with our kids, got to celebrate the wedding of a second cousin. Uh, She's the daughter of uh, Lisa's first cousin, Wade. Her name is Kaylee. We've watched her grow up from, you know, from a a baby uh, to this beautiful young woman who's now a highly skilled uh, nurse working in, in Seattle. And she married her childhood sweetheart. She met him at a little Christian school in elementary and grade school. And uh, they've little, grown up together. And uh, he is now part of the military service. He's done two tours in Iraq. And he just completed his Green Beret training. All right. 
he, he dressed in his, uh, his you know, military best for his wedding. Right? Now, Wade, the dad, got to do the honors. It was wonderful to watch and witness. And he looked at Kaylee and he said, oh, my goodness, who would have ever thought that that little girl who was so goofy as a child, who you know, got, got the, the gift of a little jewelry ring from her mom one, one time and looked up at her mom and said, Mommy, does this mean we're married? would grow to this beautiful woman and this skilled nurse, right? Serving Christ, you know, and, and, and healing the sick. And then he turned to Aaron, and he said, And Aaron, who would have ever imagined that doughy little kid I, I first met in elementary school would grow up to become G.I. Joe? And this guy is, I mean, he's amazing. And as Bill Severson told me, you know, if you're a Green Beret, it's probably good to marry a nurse. <laughs> well, at the time of their vows, Aaron closed his vows to Kaylee with one of the sweetest statements I've ever heard that underscores the power of God's Spirit working in our lives with and for one another. He said to Kaylee as he closed his vows, Whatever your flaws, you are God's perfect gift to me. Now just wrap your head and heart around that. Do you realize whatever our flaws, we are God's perfect gift to one another? Who else will speak a word of forgiveness to us when we mess up? Who else will speak a word of comfort when someone we love is facing illness or dies unexpectedly? Who else will inspire us to trust that God is present even when we feel God's absence so painfully? God can use us to clothe one another with the power of his own spirit. So today I want to close with with a prayer in the form of a song in which all of us, through the words of this song, invite the Spirit of God to help us cast off the old clothes of discouragement, of doubt, of disappointment, of despair, of sin, the flaws that nag us, and put on the clothes that only the Spirit and the power of the Spirit can make possible for us. The clothing of God's grace and God's righteousness. The clothing of God's hope and joy. So I'd like to invite the team up now. So just bow your heads. Quiet your hearts. And as we sing, let this be your prayer. Invite the Spirit of God to clothe you today. Mm -hmm.